Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of On the Barricades, your place for pan-Eastern European news from a critical left-wing uh, perspective. I am uh, I am uh, Yuri, the host of uh, One Plus One, a Yuri Muckraker at YouTube, uh, co-hosting and uh, moderating this with uh, Boyan Stanislavski, the Barricades uh, Editor-in-Chief, and the co-editor-in-chief and frequent contributor, Dr. Maria Chernatz. Hey, everyone. Hi there. Hello, hello. Yes, and of course, we are here for our annual, th uh, our annual thumbs up, thumbs down. And monthly. Monthly, of course, monthly. <laughs> <laughs> of our annual thumbs up, thumbs down. I'll kick off right away uh, saying that, you know, my, uh, I don't have much thumbs up, but my thumbs down has to be for the recent COP26, uh, uh, the big uh, climate uh, summit, uh, which which much of the world uh, participated in and many climate activists participated in. And for me, my thumbs down on the whole uh, on the whole event was the fact that once again, we get these grandiose promises. We're going to go to nets, uh, carbon, neutral, blah, 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 all that stuff, a whole bunch of windbaggery. And you keep looking at all of these agendas that they're going to, uh, you, you know that they're going to be doing and then it's always followed by something completely counterproductive like Canada uh you know you know you know building more pipelines wanting to spend money on fighter jets uh you know the G7 because it's always G20 and then it becomes G7 whenever uh, uh whenever the powers to be are mad with Russia or China and you think to yourself, how are we going to solve the climate crisis if if the U.S. and its allies are building up its military around the South China Sea? We're, uh, you know, there, 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 there's the coup that's still ongoing in uh, Belarus, and 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 there's the and there's the mess in Ukraine, and and all of these countries that want to join NATO and want uh, in which they would have to spend two percent of their GDP on militarism. The military is the biggest uh, polluter when it comes to the climate crisis. So, thumbs down on you know on COP twenty six, and then also thumbs down on on environmentalists and eco socialists who don't take seriously militarism as as, as part of their as as part of their top three or top five existential threats to the environment. Yeah, well, uh, it's. Um, I think it's a problem related to the fact that it is almost impossible in this type of system, economic and political, to build some sort of alliance, to build solidarity where all you see around you is militarism, competition, and uh, competition for resources and lack of pluralism, actually, because we have a lot of competition. Everybody's fighting to pursue their own interests, but there is no pluralism in terms of ideological, different ideological perspectives, really. They are all the same. We are presented over and over again with the same menu, but with different flavors so basically it's the same very sour and bitter medicine with um flavors uh, aimed to make us swallow it uh, easier 
uh, I would go and I would take it from here, Yuri, if you allow me, and I will discuss a little bit the situation in uh, Romania. Yeah, Unfortunately, right we haven't had the government for the past three months, and what was even more troubling was the fact that uh, the prospect of forming of, of a government seemed almost impossible. Now, the crisis started, and I told this for the viewers, that the crisis started in September when Prime Minister Florin Kutsu decided to fire the Ministry of Justice, and it was all about money in the final aftermath because they decided that they were going to give 10 billion euros from, from budgetary funds, that is national money, so to speak, money from Romania, from the budget of Romania, not from the European Union, and they were going to invest this in the infrastructure. So the money were the problem because the Ministry of Justice, Telianion, said that they have to come up with some sort of criteria, transparent criteria for distributing the money. And of course, uh, we can only speculate that there were a lot of negotiations that were not made public. and. Probably they didn't see eye to eye that who is they, the national liberals that were then in charge, that formed the coalition after the elections and the Union Save Romania, two right wing governments. And let me say that they were at least Union Save Romania. They were the dream of right wing intellectuals in Romania. Finally, finally, they saw the social democrats, the so-called red plague. This is how the um, mainstream intellectuals in Romania refer to the social democrats. And finally, the red plague was kicked out of power and we had two right wing uh, two right-wing parties forming a coalition and governing Romania. But unfortunately, for some reason, to me, it's still a mystery. To me, it's still a mystery. Why was it that it was not possible for the national liberals to go on with the Union Save Romania since ideologically they were basically one and the same? They were advocating for privatizations, for deregulations. They say, and they actually say that progressive taxation is theft, that uh, all the countries that have progressive taxations are communists. I mean, you, you imagine that I think even Great Britain has progressive taxation. Are they communists? And we don't know. Wow, that's something new. <laughs> and you learn something every day from Romanian politicians and mainstream intellectuals. Uh, but not something, uh, you know, necessarily true and uh, intelligent. Now, the second thing is that they had all sorts of quarrels, endless debates, endless debates. And finally, what do you think the solution was? After two years where the president told us how the social democrats are the plague, how they are the evil, how they are the Satan, they are the most horrible thing that could happen to Romania. How in the previous elections, we had people saying that we must prevent our parents and grandparents from voting the social democrats because they represent the ultimate evil i kid you not that was the the discourse so after demonizing the social democrats in a way that was unprecedented in the past 30 years now we have what 
what do we have a coalition with the social democrats of course yay and you should see because if you remember boyan i i i was wondering what would it take what would it take for romanian right-wing intellectuals to get tired of these people of these politicians and to step out of this you know cultish believe into union save romania and the national liberals where it happened miracle finally oh. i mean i have a personal some sort of bitter satisfaction i would say with these people i refer i'm referring here to right-wing intellectuals in romania that finally finally said oh but president johannes betrayed us now he's in cahoots with the red plague and now he brought the red plague back to the government and are they in are they in cahoots with the red plague because the red plague is not really that red <laughs> inside or out <laughs> well of course that's a very clever observation of course as we discussed num a number of times here, of course, they're a pseudo left and they have a very well functioning party machine. They are a serious political party in a way that they have all sorts of formal and informal structures that support them. And um, they are a powerful organization, not a political party, because in Romania, I mean, Ceausescu is some he i think he's lying well and being happy in his grave because we have a unique party we don't have multiple parties we have competition and we have like uh, gangsters fighting for resources but we have only one party the opportunist party i mean everybody is there to get for the mayors because in romania i told you the mayors are in charge because they get a lot of funds and from the public money, they can squeeze a lot for themselves and for the party. And this is why the mayors are the key, are the bedrock of Romanian politics. And they are actually in charge. And they can call the head of the party and say, I don't like that minister. Take him down because I don't like him. So basically, you have this situation where you don't have parties and it took romanians especially romanian right-wingers quite a while to understand that their fellows the ones that they voted the ones that they credited as being the saints in the politics are just as bad as the social democrats and right. the cherry you know on the cake is that of course we have 20 ministers and only one female of course but but for the first time we have like you have in poland i think the ministry of the family and that is run by an ultra conservative social democrat who gave tons of money to the orthodox church right so for leftists in romania <laughs> yeah okay? but... and she's probably going to advocate for the banning of abortion so right but this guy this guy this woman she's a social democrat or what Yes, she's a social It's a major confusion. Could I could I just weigh in uh, with a couple of yes, comments here? Yes. Because I think that uh, there are some elements here which I find particularly you know interesting from a point of uh, I mean interesting and characteristic uh, for our region and for our I don't know democracies if you like okay <laughs> to use this cliche. 
So, uh, well, first of all, the question of, of the existence of parties, I think this is, an ex this is a crucial question, which actually gives you the uh, sense of how dysfunctional everything is here. And of course, that poses uh, in turn, uh, or, or you know, consequently, poses the question whether this model of democracy that was developed in the West uh, makes any sense here and can be functional in the long term. Well, yeah, exactly. My answer is also that it doesn't. But then it's not a show. Like I don't want to. I don't, don't want to begin this. But look, if you want to have a liberal democracy, and I've written that many times, and I think I've said that a few times here on our program, if you want to have a functioning liberal democracy, then there's one basic element with, without which it cannot function, which is the question of representation. I mean, you gotta have parties which represent some sections of society, and you know our societies. Many of them, at least, maybe not Polish, maybe not the Czech, okay, uh, but the Bulgarian and Pol uh, sorry, the Bulgarian and Romanian, for example, you know, our societies, they are like a bowl of, mil bowl of millet groats. That's what they are. I mean, you, you can't see any segments in that society which are clear, conscious of themselves, which have uh, determined interests and so on and so forth. Okay, and then in such a situation, how are you going to have parties or how are you going to have traditional democratic trends when you, you know, when there's no basis, material uh, basis for, for representation in, within such a, a mechanism. And, you know, uh, quite recently after the elections last year you know, on November 14 in Bulgaria, I wrote uh, a, a commentary uh, where I said that the Bulgarian Socialist Party, which I think it speaks to what you said uh, about the Social Democrats, they are the only real party. Uh, and I got a lot of heated remarks from some Bulgarian leftists because how can you say that? It's a, you know, it's a party which has betrayed the left-wing ideas and all the rest of it, which is all true. That's all the case. I mean, it's a terrible party and it has been a terrible party for a long period of time. Yet it's, a it's the bedrock of Bulgarian democracy, whatever you, like, however you want to look at it. I mean, th those are just facts. I mean, this is the only party which is a real party mm -hmm. with traditions, with history, with apparatus, with, uh, you know, history of being in power. Uh, and also, most importantly, it has an electorate, a stable part of it, uh, a kind of more volatile part of it. It's a traditional, concrete, specific and typical party which could function. And now I will tell you even more, if it had actually represented effectively those people that it claims it does represent, it would have never gotten out of power. <laughs> it would just have been there. Yes, I would say Yes, please, please, uh, Yuri, go ahead. Uh, you know, the, the, the last time I was on the program, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, my thumbs down was for, uh, you know, was sort of for the uh, Canadian electorate for giving uh, Justin Trudeau another uh, mandate. And all the, and, 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 you know, boy, what you were saying about the Bulgarian Socialist Party, it kind of reminds me of the NDP. There's lots to dislike about the NDP in Canada, the third major party, which, uh, which, which is a social democratic party. Lots to dislike about that party. But at the same time, you know, unless everyone votes for an alternative left party uh, the next day, that's the only game in town. And it seems as if every time, you know, the NDP does act as a diet liberal party or does, you know, propose really good things which could, which, which could, which, which can help people's lives transform, you know, very uh, bigly to use a Trump uh, term. There's still, there, there's still, there, 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 uh, you know, people still don't vote for them, and people engage in this ridiculous, counterproductive thing called tactical voting. We have to vote for the liberal here because uh, we're so afraid of the progressive conservatives or the or, or the Reform Party, Canadian Alliance, and of course now the Conservative Party. And but also what you were, but also what, what you were saying, you know, uh, uh, Boya, and about you know liberal democracies. I think liberal democracies are an oxymoron because. 
because a feature of a liberal democracy is the free market. I'll, and you know, there, it's and and I but what 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 what's, what Eastern Europe has gotten is more the is more the free market and the plutocracy less of the democracy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's definitely right. And I don't think that uh, we should um, idealize representative democracy. I mean, I thought long and hard, and I'm telling you guys, I'm getting tired of discussing all sorts of really and severely mentally challenged individuals that end up in power in Romania and Bulgaria, all sorts of people that you would not want to spend like 10 minutes on the streets with them. I can mean, can I just interrupt you here? Because there's also one important element, which I think you, you mentioned, and perhaps it should uh, kind of be repeated so that it gets a little more attention, because one of the features of our democracies in Eastern Europe, and that's throughout the region, pretty much everywhere, from, you know, Russia to Bulgaria to Poland and you know, uh, is that our politicians, they have this unique feature. They never get compromised. I mean, you cannot compromise a politician. Like, you can never, it, it just, you know, it, they do all kinds of nonsense. They can say the most ridiculous thing publicly. They will, uh, they will steal. They will, uh, you know, exercise violence. They will do something criminal. They will do something, I don't know, uh, disgraceful. And they will still be in politics. This is amazing. Yes, yes, well, that speaks a little bit. I want to say two things here because we have to think uh, of a way to improve also the system. And I will say that we have to start low. I was discussing and I thought this long and hard. And I think voting, at least in a small village like mine, what to do with the money and bringing people closer to the power, that will be a way out, the first one. Modest, so you start very low with very little things and you start getting people and educate them in exercising their vote, not only uh, to vote of four years for, from now saying, so in major elections, but for minor things in their local communities to get them closer to power and to really offer them a voice. And the second thing, uh, we have to find a way to deal with this, uh, what you said, representative democracy. I don't want to go very much into it because, as you said, it's uh, the subject of another show. But electoralism is a cancer because people are there to maintain power, not to exercise power. And as a colleague of mine once said at the conference, like, Exercising power through representatives is like having sex through representatives. You know, I mean, the idea of representation itself is very problematic. So you have to deal with that and you have to de deal with electoralism. And I think there is a wonderful book that was... Uh, 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 Vitalia Spinciana, one of our friends and guests here, wrote a wonderful review for that book uh, that is called Anti-Electoralism, where the author discusses the very brave idea of arbitrarily and randomly choosing every four years citizens to represent us. Because what we are seeing now is some sort of the opposite of a selection, is a counter-selection. The craziest people go there. I'm sorry to use these harsh terms, but when you see what happened in Romania recently with the right-wing extremists from the Alliance for the Union of Romania, that our party is simply insane. And I'm telling you why. Because, because 
the National Liberals and the Social Democrats are TV-based parties. Their main electorate watches a lot of TV. Antenna 3 for um, the Social Democrats, extremely polarized. You won't see a right-wing or very rarely you see right-wingers from the National Liberals going to Antenna 3. And then you have Digi 24, Digi 24, as it's called, uh, maybe a poor translation of its name in English, where you see the right-wingers, okay? But these are TV-based parties, so-called traditional parties. Now, what we are seeing is Union Save Romania that is taking away from the electorate of the national liberals and usually uh, AUR, the Alliance for the Union of Romania, that is taking away the electorate of the social democrats that are Facebook, Facebook parties. And why do I say that? Because they branded a way of making politics through Facebook Live, through TikTok videos. They go into the yeah. parliament, they go to a member of the parliament or to an MP or to the prime minister when they catch him on the hallways they start filming and they start screaming you are stealing you are destroying us you are the mayor and you should be here for us and they do all kinds of shows you would have thought that this is an episode from black mirror because yeah. this is how they behave <laughs> i think it was i think it actually i think it was only in real life not on netflix in real life i mean this is what they do and union save romania unfortunately branded this type of performative uh, politics incentivized by the social media. Social media performative politics. This is the next level of craziness that we get right now. So you have this whole system where you have electoralism, you have the social media taking down, and I think the social media are the final blow to any kind of any trace of rational debate in politics. Uh, and you have parties that are playing along with it, with these requirements from the social media and the idea that they have to gain power and to stay in power. And that takes all their time. It is not like they go there, they take the power and then they do something. No, their whole objective is to maintain power. And that takes like 70% of their time, of their energy. So who is going to govern? I think this is why what we're seeing that we stayed with the, without the government actually for three months and we didn't actually felt like it was very different from the time that we had the government because they lose all the time and energy in you know creating all sorts of alliances all day long looking at the polls seeing if i take this type of law if i propose it, i suggest this type of regulation will i be out of power so maintaining the power is their own obsession and this is a cancer for the system and i don't think it can be overcome by the perfect socialists that are going to come and take the power and be able to fight all this unfortunately. just want to say that sounds uh you know you know you know you know just want to say that uh, uh romania I mean you know, you know, without without a government for a long period of time, we 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 had that in Belgium. I think we had like the longest, uh, no, you know, no government negotiations, and I think I think we were only beaten by uh, by occupied Iraq. <laughs> and now in Holland, we have a we have a sort of caretaker uh, government at the moment. Uh, so uh, because uh, because yes, uh, because of uh, of the various uh, symptoms. 
and severe limitations of a liberal democracy, which you've just uh, uh, I mean, described. Particularly but, in this kind of form, which is very, yeah, which is very, and I, I agree with, I just want to say that I agree with Maria that electoralism as an idea, as a doctrine, as whatever, a corpus of ideas that is supposed to function somehow in a very representative and, and effective manner is a complete nonsense. And the, you know, without getting ideological about it, you can see that it just doesn't work pretty much anywhere. Like, I can't see a place where it actually does work. And, and uh, you know, according to, to uh, the model, okay, that was designed a long time ago. But what I want to say is that I'm not so much against like any representative democracy. I think that, for example, just for example, if we had elections every year, and they would be happening over the internet, you know, without the polling stations, all the circus, I think that would major would be a major improvement. Probably it would not overcome all the pathologies of that system, but I think that's at least that's that's something that leftists could offer as a kind of you know approach to uh, systemic change and then in future systemic transition. But as of course again, it's another show, and I think it does make totally make sense for us to uh, to have some uh, leftist uh, uh, you know leftist political philosophers, if you like, that we could discuss the question of mm-hmm. how are we going to manage our uh... political system. Yeah. Actually, that's a perfect, uh, you know, th- that's a perfect segue before we run out of time. So, so, uh, so Maria, uh, doctor, so tell us what your, uh, what your thumbs down is. It sounds like your thumbs down is really towards every, everything and anything Romania, but you had a specific thumbs down, uh, when it came, to, uh, it, that, that, that she wanted to, uh, discuss with us in our audience. So what's your thumbs down? So my biggest thumbs down for what happened in recent, recently in Romanian politics is for the our party, the Alliance for the Union of Romanians, because they represent this uh, toxic mixture because, between social media performance and right-wing extremist ideology. And it manifested itself with Diana Shoshaka, former member of this party. They fight over something, but she shares most of their ideology and ideas and she was uh, she was filming herself in a facebook live because they are obsessed with going live on social media going in um, going into uh, a village of romania and preventing people for, from getting vaccinated he went she went there where people were getting vaccinated and then she started and she's part she, uh, and she's a member of the parliament and of the ruling party now of the alliance for the union of romanians that got more than 10 percent of romanian votes and it's a far and and and, and it's a far right party yes this is a far right party and i think this is especially troubling because she literally went there and she started screaming and threatening the doctors and the personnel that was uh, actually giving people vaccines and it was a horrifying scene i mean to see members of parliament behaving so violently and out of control and nobody reacting and the second the second facebook live that was cheered up by a very uh how should i say but people who are you know at least they don't get to exercise power but they get the hype of seeing a facebook live where some politician is violent that stands for political doctrine for political power you don't get 
to exercise power as a citizen, but you get very excited from seeing a politician behaving extremely violent. So the essence of your politics is basically for people to get their dopamine shot when they can, you know. Well, of course, of course, because this is the essence. (laughs) And this is called democracy. 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 And the second is hair raising. I mean, what happened just a few days ago in the... um, Romanian parliament, because, you know, Romania entered this free market for energy, liberalization market for energy and deregulation. And now everybody has to pay a very high price for electricity. Now, in Bucharest, that's a problem because there are a lot of people that simply cannot afford that. So the mayor of Bucharest, Nicu Shordan, that I don't like, he founded Union Save Romania. They, they got into a major fight and he left the party and he is now with the National Liberals. He was the proposal of the National Liberals and the candidate of the National Liberals for the elections and he won the seat of the mayor of Bucharest in the last elections. And I I really don't like him, but he founded this party, Union Save Romania. But as much as I don't like this person, and not as the person, but what he stands for, what happened to him was horrifying. He went into the parliament building trying to present and to come up with a solution for the uh, people in Bucharest that could not afford to pay for very high prices in electricity. And he was caught by the shoulders by the head of the Alliance for the Hour, for this Hour Party Alliance. He was physically attacked. What? He was physically attacked. Physically attacked. So he came to give a statement then this, uh, who is a thug, basically, because he was the president of the, how do you call these people that are cheering up for football players? Cheerleaders. For the cheerleaders of football players. So you can see that she is very tough and very, you know, ready to fight physically with you at any point. And um, he started this, uh, George Simeon, I mean, the head of this Our Party, he grabbed the mayor by the shoulders and started asking, why don't you come up with a solution for the people in Bucharest? You don't answer their demands. You have to understand you are their mayors now. Why don't you do something? And he kept repeating those questions for a dozen of times. Now, the mayor didn't know what to do. He wanted to get out of the the building, but the building is huge. I mean, that is challenging. Aușescu Megalomania, and he built the, uh, a building that was second after the Pentagon. So is the, at one point, it was the second in the world, the biggest building. I mean, it was something, it's something unbelievable. And the poor mayor didn't know where to go. He was disoriented, and he's a lot smaller than this uh, big George Simeon. And now he grabbed him by the shoulder. He basically dragged him to the hallway in the parliament saying, no, no, don't worry, because I will kick you out. But tell us, why don't you come up with a solution? So he basically humiliated him for minutes. I, I mean, this is the most horrifying don't scene. You have parliamentary Where were police? the police? Exactly, but exactly. parliamentary police. Where is the have? police? Where are the other politicians? Where are the other journalists? Nobody reacted. Everybody enjoyed the show. Not, not even the Speaker of the House could say, yo, dude, 
take a chill pill and like you're no, you're suspended, no, no. You're suspended for the rest fine. of the day. In the hallway, <laughs> in the hallway that Jordi Simeon was filming, he was on a Facebook Live, of course. And uh, the people uh, were cheering up because, as I told you, they don't get to exercise power, but they get to see, you know, the mayor being humiliated. And mm. that serves as a substitute for getting some solution to their real problems. Having this horrifying show, it was hair-raising. And then you didn't see the president coming and saying, this is unacceptable in Romanian politics. You didn't see the prime minister coming and saying something. Nobody. Crickets. Yeah. Well, so this is, this is can something... Can you imagine I... in Poland, you know, a member of the MP taking the mayor of, of Warsaw by the shoulders and dragging yeah. him to the hallway? See, this is... No, that probably wouldn't crazy. be allowed by the... Because we've got... And I'm sure in, in Romania they've also got this. There's parliamentary police, which is the kind of police formation that can actually physically restrain MPs. In a sense, they are, they've got immunity, but the military... Uh, sorry, not the military police, but the parliamentary police, they can actually approach them and they can, you know... Uh, physically restrained them from doing whatever they are into. But I want to say, I just want to say, look, everything you said, it speaks for itself, okay? I mean, this is an absolute and utter farce. I mean, this is not democracy. This is not politics. This, 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 this is what you often say, a civilizational downgrade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, and, and this is something that uh, is not even remotely close to anything that could be treated seriously. And yet, this is the state. This is the power. This is the parliament. This is some supposed to be some kind of majesty, right? I mean, this is the state after all. And yet you get uh, uh, scenes as if it's, I don't know, well, I, I don't even want to say circus because in the circus you at least get some, you know, you get some fun. And this is humiliating. I don't think it's only humiliating for this uh, mayor of Bucharest. I don't, I, I mean, obviously it is humiliating for him, but I think it's humiliating for all the Romanians. I mean, you, you know, those, those are the leaders of, you know, uh, allegedly legitimate leaders of the Romanian nation. And they do, they perform this kind of show. I mean, what does it, you know, how is it going to be perceived by, uh, you know, the public opinion? I mean, there are some thinking people in the public opinion. I understand that the public opinion to a large extent is manipulated up against a huge propaganda machine. But still, I mean, there are thinking people. And then, you, you know, those thinking people, they look at it and they go like, wow, I mean, this is, yeah, a civilizational downgrade, I guess. I mean, I can't think of a better term. This is, For, and, and yet we are being explained all the time in Romania, Bulgaria, and other Eastern European countries that we live in the best of times. And that, it, you know, before that, it has been only worse. Everything has been worse. Now, what, wherever you want to look, however you want to look at it, it's, it's better. It's good. And, and, you know, if you say anything against it, you're probably in favor of communism or dictatorship or Stalin or gulags. And, you know, yes, yes, and you yeah. have to go to North Korea. You have to go, yeah, to, go North to North Korea. Korea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just before we uh, just before we close this uh, segment, uh, Maria, you were saying uh, off the uh, you, you were saying off the air about your uh, thumbs down. Uh, something about uh, Romania's response to the uh, ongoing uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic and how this relates to the to to the ongoing climate crisis, uh, which I've given a thumbs down on. Uh, you know, COP twenty six. Uh, talk to us. Uh, talk to us a bit about that before we go to our next segment. Well, 
uh, I will break away with tradition here, and usually I'm I'm not talking about personal experience, but I will tell you how the first the third round of vaccination went for me. Basically, and what I find troubling, because from that, you can see in a nutshell what is the problem in general with this whole campaign. I went to get my third dose. It was somewhere where it looked dirty and it was at a mall. I mean, the central, you know, institution in Romanian society is the mall. And we went there and there was this thing. It was organized like a mall. Because you had a section where you could take Johnson vaccines, then you had a section where you could have taken Pfizer, then Moderna. I mean, how am I supposed to decide? Because I am not a doctor. I have never taken a course in microbiology. And yet I'm supposed to treat science and things of major importance like I am buying a perfume. Now, had I gone to some sort of, you know, to buy lipstick, now that I'm an expert in, okay? Okay, but vaccines, come on, this is not right. Something is completely absurd here. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer, just to be clear, I took the third dose. So, but the whole, the whole thing creates instability and it, you cannot expect people to show solidarity when all you show is competition you show competition between countries and you say russian vaccines are bad you i mean you didn't have some sort of place where the sputnik was available because sputnik is bad why because it is russian of course so you see competition between countries and absurd competition then you see competition between companies and when you see all this paranoia, hatred, and competition, you as a citizen are expected to show solidarity. And I, I, I'm, I'm really puzzled by this. Now, this is a global problem. The local problem in Romania is that we allowed actually a party, the Alliance for the Union of Romanians, to get into the parliament with an anti-vaccination campaign and really rile up against vaccinations. And the reaction of the government was to put fences, to divide people, and to say that those who do not have the green certificate do not enter some sort of, do not enter the mall but they have to enter the part of the mall where they have to buy food. So they put these fences. Now, what's next? Are they going to put, a, you know, those fences are going to be connected to some sort of electricity grid. So the when you get go through the fences, it's obvious, like you put a fence and then the virus stops at the fence. Yes, like, yes. Wow, no, no, I don't go there. Yeah. Like the Romanian prime minister you... said, I, w I shouldn't go there. I stop here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. This is... And uh, uh, so we have the, the, the international problem, the local problem, maybe the only ray of hope and the only lesson for us would be actually Cuba, because I read a very an extensive piece in the Jacobin saying how Cuba was able, it is the only poor country that managed to create its own vaccine and managed to get people to, to get the vaccines because people trust one another. We have the intellectual and, and the, the technical... Yes, and we have the technical possibility to have the vaccines, but we lost trust. We don't trust one another. 
and the social fabric is so torn up that it is impossible to move forward. And this is a situation like in the climate crisis that you said, where you need collective action. It's not enough to place the blame on me and say, oh, you're driving a car, you're polluting, you are the source of evil. This is why we are not yeah. going to be able to breathe in 20 years. Yeah, I think that's no, a very good point. We all have to. We all have to come together and come with solutions and not yeah. place the blame on somebody and say, oh, you don't get vaccinated. You are evil. You are Satan. You have to stay outside. We are putting fences to protect uh, ourselves from you. No, this is wrong. This is a situation that is going to lead us from bad to worse because this is a situation where we can only move forward together just before we uh close this uh, uh just, just 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 before we close this segment and we and we take our uh, mini break i just also wanted to uh you know expand on what um on what the good doctor was saying about the ongoing coronavirus <laughs> sorry the ongoing coronavirus crisis is that you know we see uh, you know throughout the West, uh, what uh, you know in Europe, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and the U.S. Uh, you know these uh, anti uh, uh, you know the, the you know the, the anti lockdown folks, the anti vax uh, folks, and there seems to be kind of like you know with uh, you know with the Brexit referendum, a, a sort of merging between you know between the left and the right. Uh, and, you know, you know, when it comes to this, this sort of anti-vax fundamentalism and this distrust of the, uh, you know, of the capitalist system, uh, you know, kind, you know, you know, you know, sort, you know, sort, you know, sort of a derangement syndrome, uh, you know, I know people who are, you know, who, who are anti, uh, uh, you know, you know, who, you know, who are anti-vax uh, some who are even anti-masks and uh, you know and you know and anti-lockdowns and I'm sort of baffled about it because I understand you know people's uh, uh, you know uh, distrust when it comes to you know big pharma conflicts of interest and so forth like that but at the same time we shouldn't be doing these self-fulfilling prophecies because like it or not guys you know. We are living in a pandemic. We are living in a pandemic, and those who say that, that you know that coronavirus is just like the flu, I would counter that by saying, yeah, it's like the flu. It's like the Spanish flu pandemic of nineteen seventeen to nineteen nineteen. You know, and uh, and and I just do, and, and 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 I'm just sort of baffled at, you know, the people who don't want to take the vax because they say, you know, that it's not, uh, you, you know, that they can't trust. Uh, you know, big pharma, but at the same time, you know, they'll still take they'll still take an aspirin from Pfizer. And at the same time, it's like, okay, so oh, you don't Viagra take, for and, that matter. And and, and and at the same time, it's like, okay, if you don't want to take the vaccine because you feel it's not properly regulated enough, then what is your suggestion? That means that we do have to go then to lockdowns. Uh, we do have to go back into lockdowns, but no, they're also against lockdowns. And then the same people are, and, and, and the same people who are protesting against the facts are the same people who I guarantee you don't want to wear a hospital mask, which is the bare minimum you can do to not get coronavirus and to make sure that this pandemic is, you know, put, uh, you know, is put a lid on. And I'm, and, and, and it's, and it's very uh, it's sobering to see many left leaning people, people who I really like and respect, uh, who are all who, who who are engaging in this uh you know in this uh you know in this stalemate 
where they claim that they want things to go back to normal. But I don't know. For me, you know, there used to be a category that the COVID minimalists, uh, you know, the people who say that this is just like the flu and hospital masks are very ineffective. They have now kind of bled into the COVID denialists, the people who say that this is a, uh, you know, that this is a scamdemic or the people who say, oh, no, coronavirus is real, but it was cooked up in, in a bio in a bioweapons lab in Wuhan and so forth. And therefore, and, and the people who subscribe to that are the same people who, are like, who, who really don't trust, you know, taking the vaccine. Because if you think that this really did come from a lab and not naturally from animals or from government incompetency, then, you know, you basically, we, we basically have dissolved into this thing where, we're coronavirus, uh, you know, we're not talking, we're, we're, you know, we're not, we're not talking the same language. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, again, a civilizational downgrade and we've deteriorated to the point where, where it's, where you're either vax or no vax, can't have a rational conversation. Yeah, exactly. And it's churches, churches. It's not like, churches. you know, it's not like where there's a, uh, where there can be a, you know, a debate, like, I don't know, a discussion at least about it, like, you know, with all the arguments, for example, that you... All thing, all, you know, all, all things coronavirus, it's, uh, it, 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 you know, you can't have a rational conversation with the people which you go, you know, I know that you, I know that you distrust Big Farm, but what is your, but what is your alternative? That means we need to have a lockdowns, but no, they reject the lockdowns. And basically, when you talk to these COVID denialists, these COVID minimalists, it's basically like an atheist trying to convert a Muslim into atheism, or a Muslim that's trying to convert an atheist to whatever uh, sect of Islam they believe in. Yes, because we don't longer have the social fabric. The social fabric is torn apart and we don't longer trust doctors because they've been colonized by the corporations. And when money kick in, everything goes to waste. I mean, you cannot rely on any sort of valid truth. And this is why all these things happen. And I'll just say one, one last thing is that when it comes to the uh, pandemic, just like climate change, you know, when it comes to this pandemic, this should have been a uh, uh, a golden opportunity for the left to really advance an agenda. This would have been a great opportunity to advance universal basic income, the suspension of taxes, the suspension of of people having to pay their rents and mortgages. We have uh, we have we have lockdowns, but we bail out the people and we give them a proper uh, relief, and then we have a properly regulated uh, vaccine uh, rollout to combat uh, the virus. But this was a missed opportunity, and just like those on the left who supported uh, Brexit, I find the people on the left who who are anti lockdowns and are and have become anti vax fundamentalists, they are they. They're being not only counterproductive, but counter-revolutionary at this point. Right. Thanks very much. So we're ending this segment and uh, we're going to take, we're going to go to a short break now. See you uh, in a couple of minutes.